Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah, get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to a bee. What's going on, everybody? This is the feed to Embiid. I am Austin Krell, your host, as always. And I do have my partner in crime, the video extraordinaire, Brock Landis. Brock, how are you tonight, my my good my good pal? I'm doing all right, man. It's it's been a hectic two days, probably <laughs> the most hectic two days in, in, in a long time. And uh I had to leave my apartment with, with my guys. The the kitchen sink was getting a little too full. Uh the electric stove was getting a little too greasy. It, it was getting a little dirty there. So I okay. took a hiatus, and, and I figured I'll let those guys take care of it for a change. Okay. So we do have, I mean, just so much stuff to talk about mm-hmm. so far. Um, you know, the the, the trade the trade, moratorium, the trade moratorium. I've been waiting for a moment to tweet that. The moratorium. Mm-hmm. I'm like that. I am like that. Um, is underway. And it's been, I'm kind of surprised at how quiet. It's been up to this point. And I mean, there have been five trades and that is kind of like a lot. Can you consider a two day period or about a 24 hour period, whatever it's been. Um, but <clears throat> it's just been just kind of a lot of oddities. And I think, um, I, I think, you know, most crazy is this whole James Harden saga and how this is, how this has played out so quickly. And again, everybody, uh, the, the viewers, um, feel free to leave comments. Uh, you know, uh, whether you're on YouTube, or Facebook, or Twitter, leave comments, questions, whatever. We'll, we're happy to go back and forth with you guys. Um, as long as as long as we're here, we do have a bit of a time constraint. I would say we're going to go for about a 55 minute show tonight. No, no more than that. Um, but Brock, so let's just sort of dive right in to these trades that have gone down so far. Mm-hmm. So the first one that went down was pre um was pre the you know the eligible period was the schroeder trade to 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 the lakers 28th pick and danny green uh, to oklahoma city and at first glance i'm thinking in a weak draft where like this is this is a weak draft in that there are guys that are that are gonna go like top five that maybe in a different year or a normal year are probably outside the top five, maybe even dropping into the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 28th pick in this draft, um, and then a guy like Danny Green, who is lacking lateral quickness, I would assume you're going to flip. I feel like they could have gotten more return for Danny Green. Um, I, I don't or, know. Or Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, if you're <laughs> talking about return for Danny Green, then – I'm not. I'm not sure what their turn there is. I know right now the Lakers are uh, potentially in talks with the New York Knicks, uh, dealing away Kyle Kuzma, um, but we don't know what that trade package looks like. We don't know what uh, New York will be willing to give. So, if you can't really field a good trade offer for Kyle Kuzma yet, I, I doubt you could get one for Danny Green. So, um, continue. We're talking about Dennis Schroeder. Wait. So you think that that's a good return for Dennis Schroeder? Yeah, give him that to drink the water there. Oh, listen. <laughs> listen. What OKC is doing right now is it's rebuilding. Stockpiling. They're, yeah. they're stockpiling. And uh, a thing you have to take into account is 
during a regular basketball season, you have to fill your arena. You have to sell food at the concession stands. You have to have kids buying uniforms in the merchandise stores. You have to have people tuning in to the regional sports network. These are all things you need during a regular NBA season. If there's only going to be five to 10 teams during the next season uh, planning on having fans in attendance, this makes a rebuild so much easier for an NBA team. When the Sixers did their rebuild, it was scrutiny. Every single season, every move they made, it was scrutiny because the league hadn't seen a rebuild like that before. So you stockpile assets and people get mad. Now, OKC has an opportunity where they can be comically bad for at least a season, and it doesn't matter because you don't have to worry about filling the arena. You really don't have to worry about the merchandise sales. You don't have to worry about putting that money in your pockets because you don't have those fans there. You don't have that stuff. So what OKC is doing right now is stockpiling, and they're priming themselves to be in a very good position for the 2022 NBA draft, which I'm pretty passionate about, Austin. There's going to be some really yeah. good players there. You get Chet Holmgren, who played Imani Bates the other day. And, and I mean, those guys are scoring 30-plus, 10-plus rebounds, dishing out assists, blocking shots. So you're not using a King Cobra. You're not going to shotgun one for the brand with, with the King Cobra. Damn. That's that, I got three. I got three scouting. I got three scouting reports to do tonight. There's no oh, okay. shotgunning in my house. We're just getting a little loose. All right, yeah. I respect that. But but nonetheless, <laughs> what OKC is doing is is stockpiling assets, and 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 they did that successfully. They they traded Chris Paul. They they got a ton back for Chris Paul. They trade Dennis Schroeder, and they get a ton back for Dennis Schroeder. Um, but I, I think that trade was awesome for the Lakers. I really do. Yeah, it was awesome for the Lakers because you only have to give up one first-round pick, a late first-round pick, and Danny Green. From the Thunder, I'm, I'm coming back and I'm saying, I know LeBron wants Dan- I know LeBron wants Dennis Schroeder. Mm-hmm. I know you want Dennis Schroeder. You try to get him at the trade deadline. <clears throat> we'll give him to you. Give us two first-round picks, maybe maybe one protected first-round pick. So one one unprotected, then one protected, and Danny Green, and you have Schroeder. I think, I think they kind of settled for one first and Danny Green. Think about it. Schroeder was a six man of the year candidate this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, so, the other two were on the Lakers. Right. And, he, and he's 27. He's certainly an upgrade over what they had at backup point guard. Mm-hmm. I think I think they undersold him that. Um, Huggins Mac one says, Landis, I know you're very high on keeping Ben Simmons. Let me ask you if you know for sure he would never develop a jump shot, jump shoot. Would you still keep him and not trade for James Harden? See, it's too early in the podcast. To, wait, 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 wait. Who is Huggins Mac One? This guy knows you at some point. I don't know if he knows me, but he, he might he might see the um the Twitter handle, and that's why he said Landis. Maybe he didn't want to write the whole thing out. But Austin, here, here here's the unfortunate thing about asking me this question this early in the podcast. <laughs> the reason why these past 24, 48 hours have been so hectic is because I've had to battle countless battles with Sixers fans on Twitter about hypothetical packages that don't even exist for James Harden. So you've got this Brooklyn package, which apparently is Karis LeVert, Dinwiddie, Jarrett Allen, maybe another player or two, and and a bundle of picks. And then you have a Sixers package, which hasn't even been disclosed yet. You have people that are making these hypothetical packages where either Al Horford is the centerpiece, where – I guess Matisse Thibel would be an asset. You Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on that. I really don't shit. know what the hypothetical trade package from Philadelphia to Houston would be. And I think Philadelphia has made it apparent that they're not trading Ben Simmons. There's conflicting reports right now because you've got people saying, well, Kyrie doesn't want James Harden in Brooklyn. James Harden doesn't want to be in Houston because their owner is, is a Donald Trump supporter. Then you've got people saying that neither team has even talked Dude, 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 come on. You think that Donald Trump, uh, that that Trump supporter thing is is real? I I mean, I got news for you. I got, and I'm not going to get political here. Generally speaking, owners are probably going to be the Donald Trump supporters because he's going to make their taxation a little easier. Well, yeah, they're the rich. And, and I I believe uh, Krishna Narsu, I'm not sure who he's with, maybe the nylon calculus. I don't know. Um, he tweeted a little while back all of the donations from owners or coaches right. that went to Donald Trump's campaign, and, and there was a lot of people on that list. Um, so, I mean, sure, James Harden probably isn't happy about it, but the timing is a little strange. It might have been John Gonzalez from The Ringer. 
maybe. Yeah, maybe. The the, the timing is strange. Yeah, but for sure. I, I can't I, I can't dispute that. If if he doesn't like that ownership supports Donald Trump, uh, he he has every reason to be upset about that. But here's to, to make a long story short and answer Huggins Smack's question because I didn't even <laughs> answer it. I, I really, I really haven't made up my mind. All right. I, I, I personally don't want to trade Ben Simmons. I, I don't think the organization wants to trade Ben Simmons. I want to see Ben under Doc Rivers and a completely new coaching staff. I think the Sixers win this offseason in addition by subtraction. Uh, you, you don't have Brett Brown. You don't have an offense where if Ben Simmons dribbles down the court off a live rebound and he kicks it to one open shooter before three other guys get down the court – the person shoots the shot. You're not going to have this this motion offense that hits a dead end every other possession where the Sixers might come down, shoot threes within the first five seconds, three straight possessions, and trade possessions. Now they're down 11. I think a lot of these things are going to be eliminated with a completely new coaching staff. So you've got Doc, you've got Sam Cassell, you've got Dave Yeager who worked with Zebo and Marcus Saul. You've got Popeye Jones who was a very skilled big man. He can unlock – Joel Embiid, you've got Daryl Morey, who apparently has said that the Sixers aren't interested in trading Ben Simmons. There's too many conflicting reports for me to really understand who's available and who isn't for James Harden. Me personally, I would not trade Ben Simmons for James Harden uh, simply because you have contractual control for, for more seasons of, of Ben than you do James. So James is making 41, what, $41 million for the next two seasons, something like that, a little over 35 mil. For the next two seasons, if you, if you if you trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, which I don't think they're going to do, because I do I agree with you. I, I from what I've heard, there is interorganizational sort of congruence in that they they, they all agree like we don't want to trade Ben yet. We want to give it some more time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, you don't do it unless Harden agrees to opt in for that last year of the contract. And the, yeah, and 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 absolutely. That's a contingency you, policy on the deal. You you don't want to have another situation where you, you trade valuable assets in your future for a guy that's ultimately going to walk. And and uh, lo and behold, he goes to a team in the Eastern Conference, and that team's playing in the finals. The team season. team is not to be named ever on this not podcast. To be named, not on this podcast anymore. But I know today there, there's been a lot of people in support of the Sixers trading. Ben Simmons to Houston and, and a lot of popular personalities on Sixers Twitter have been in the forefront of these conversations. So I think a lot of people are being pulled in different directions, but it ultimately comes down to this. Do you want to be spoon fed your opinions or do you want to come up with these opinions on your own? Me personally, I, I'd like to come up with the opinions on my own. Uh, and what I've seen from Ben Simmons, I, I think his potential is sky high. I listened to you and, and Jason on the, the mailbag podcast the other day and uh, Jason made a good point. What is Ben Simmons' ceiling in comparison to Joel Embiid's ceiling? Uh, ben Simmons' ceiling is arguably a ceiling that we've probably seen before, whereas you don't really know what Joel Embiid's ce- uh, ceiling is. Um, the problem with me is that I, I I don't really think you've seen Ben Simmons' ceiling. Uh, I say this every single week. There's less than five players that are better than Ben in transition. Yeah, a matchup nightmare on on the offensive and defensive end. I, I mean, he's he's a freak athlete, and he impacts the game in more ways than a lot of other basketball players do. You're talking about James Harden, who's who's arguably a top five player in the NBA. Uh, I, I'd even go as far as saying he's one of the best offensive players of our generation. Okay, uh, Sixers, Adam, relax. I wouldn't call him one of the greatest scorers of all time just yet, and I I certainly wouldn't put him ahead of Kobe Bryant. That was that was a wild I'm not, take. Uh, I'm, not gonna was... be edgy. I'm not gonna be edgy here, but uh what I will say is James Harden is is beyond words good at basketball. And you don't he'd say fit. He'd most definitely fit in Philadelphia, but you'd have to completely alter your offense. You're not looking at a small ball offense, but here's what's gonna happen. If you watch James Harden and if you watch the Houston Rockets in last season. It was Russell Westbrook's possession or James Harden possession, but there was no in between. A catch and shoot is rare for James Harden in Houston's offense. It was either Harden stood at the top of the key or at half court for 24 seconds while everybody else on Houston operated, 
or it was James Harden's possession. So my point being, if, if he comes to Philadelphia. You have taken eight minutes to answer this one question. <laughs> exactly. And this is the this is the moral dilemma I've had. These are the conversations I've had with myself for the past few days. So to make a long story short so we can talk about other things in the podcast, regardless of what the popular opinion is, I know I'm in the minority. I would not trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. And I'm not going to worry about it because I don't think the Sixers would either. So I let everybody else have the public discourse about the packages Philadelphia is going to send to Brooklyn uh, or, or Houston, rather. I don't think it's going to happen. So I, I really don't need to waste. You're right, Austin. I don't need to waste eight minutes telling you why I wouldn't do the trade because it's not going to happen. Here's where I stand with the whole thing. Don't even engage with the fans. The fans are going to try. most, And most of the time, the fans are going to try – to maximize their own hurt and loss and maximize or minimize their own hurt and loss and maximize their own gain and joy. They're going to try to find the, the most minimal, ridiculous way to get rid uh, to, to get a superstar without giving up talent. So don't even engage. Just think ahead of it. I, I don't, I don't engage no, in, that I'm in the chat right now. It's getting hard. Cause well, it's I, I, I know, I know. Uh, nasty Nizzle six says now Meek Mill and Uzi are trying to recruit yeah. Harden. LOL. Too many rumors. There are too many rumors. Deluxe um, with Future today. He's, yeah, he's maybe doing that to get Harden in Philly. I know Meek. Meek has an album coming out on Friday. There will be there will be a Meek album about James Harden if he can pull off for sure. I I tweeted I think like a seven or eight song compilation of a few rappers that have name dropped James Harden. Gunu, little dude, Meek Mill, little baby. Yeah, I, I mean, Harden's a culture icon. He he really is. For sure. Let's knock out these Harden uh, takes and questions and whatnot before we go into the next trade. That way we, that we have some sort of stability across across the podcast. Ryan Whitaker says Harden is better than Ben overall. Rather two championships in the next four years and then nothing. I agree that Harden is better than Ben overall, obviously. Mm-hmm. And where I stand on the whole thing is this. If you – approach it from I want Harden, I want the word I want, you're already not thinking about it correctly. It's in a vacuum. Does the odds of adding James Harden to the Sixers to play with Joel Embiid, to play under Doc Rivers, to play under his former GM, Daryl Morey, does that maximize the chances of the team that, by the way, the, the team that we will be covering and the fans will be cheering for well after Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are retired, does that make the team's chances better of winning a title in the in the next three years? Which, by the way, that is the window of time that Daryl Morey references in his introductory press conference. My answer to that is yes, it does. And if you are convicted that it does as a franchise, as an organization, you do the trade. Because if it, if you win, if you if you win the last game of the season, if you win the championship, it doesn't matter what happens after that. It, you win a championship. You you've accomplished the goal. Of course, and and that's why everybody kind of excused the Lakers uh, in trading for Anthony Davis and, and literally trading the farm for Anthony Davis because they win the finals, nobody cares. You accomplish the goal of the organization. Uh, but he, here's another thing. James Harden, <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you're so triggered by this. James Harden <laughs> went from one of the most slandered basketball players in the NBA and on my t- Twitter timeline to the GOAT in a 24-hour span. They lift the trade deadline. They, they move it ahead a couple of days, and now everybody in Philadelphia is endorsing James Harden. I love James Harden. I have a James Harden jersey. He's, he's, he's been one of my favorite ball players for as long as I can remember. But here's the thing. Austin, James Harden has gotten as far as Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have in the past two years. Neither of them have gotten to a championship. They've both gotten in the second round, but but neither of them have gotten to the championship. So, of course, the likelihood of winning a title with James Harden is significantly higher than with Ben Simmons. But at the same time, neither of them have championships. So I don't really understand here. Like, of course, James Harden's going to fit. Of course, James Harden is, is, is among the best offensive players in the league. First off, you have to change the entire dynamic of your offense because unless James Harden is going to alter his game style, Philadelphia would have to alter the way they play. Secondly, Doc Rivers refuses to to coach in Houston with Daryl Morey because he wants to come to Philadelphia because of their court. He didn't want to go coach Russell Westbrook and James Harden out in Houston. He wanted to coach Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So they give him a five-year contract. 
They bolster the entire coaching staff to make sure they can develop these two guys who are 26 years or, or, or younger. So literally they haven't hit their prime or if they have, they're right in the first year or two. They're right in the verge of, of hitting their prime. And then you you bring Daryl Morey and you're going to give him $10 million to trade Ben Simmons in, in his first month on the job? It doesn't make sense to me. And for that reason, Austin, I'm going to put this to rest. We've taken 20 minutes to talk about James Harden. I haven't read a damn comment in the chat because they're all saying not. You've had this boy – you've been texting me all, all, all day. This has been boiling up for a while. Yeah, so you've got you've got other trades. You got a good Roco trade. You've got a good Dennis Schroeder trade. There, there's other stuff to be talked about than James Harden of Philadelphia. All right, so let's get to these real quickly then. And first of all, I'll say this back to you. Um, actually, I won't. I forget what I was going to say. But uh, Nadir Aga, our good buddy, with the ridiculous takes as always. Ben and Joel doesn't work together. Do we need to spoil yet another season? Why not just accept the fact? He says in in, in a later comment. Here's the thing. That it takes like two minutes of research to do. The Sixers had like a top five efficiency, offensive efficiency in the NBA two seasons ago, three seasons ago, when they were starting Dario Saric, Robert Covington, and J.J. Reddick. It works when you have the right pieces around them. The key, of course, as it always is, is to get the right pieces. And that's the... I like that. I can't. I can't do the conversation anymore. I, I just can't do it because it's it's it was repetitive and it's always it's always something that can be disproven until until the team decides to pull the plug on it. Now, going back to what you said about the about like the Mori thing and like when like or like well, like what is Harden one? Do you remember when Sam Hinkie went on Pablo Torre's podcast and he said like if you're gonna use winning titles as the only variable in your in your in your in your decision making, then like you're gonna miss out on things. It's about the context. Like Chris Paul's leg doesn't fall off in game six, whatever it is, that Western Conference Finals. They're probably going to the finals, and they're probably going to torch the Cavaliers that year. So I, I don't think winning titles is the way that I would I would like classify whether I'm going to tra- trade for James Harden. Um, Ryan Whitaker says Harden wants to play in an offense with ball movement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he does. He he is like one of the league leaders in assists, but I mean, also dribbles the clock for twenty two seconds and well, then funnels awesome. it off to a James shooter. Harden, James Harden had more isolation possessions than every team in the NBA last year, and, yeah. and it's been that way for years. So uh, he he can he can say that all he wants, but wherever he goes, you know what he's going to do. My guy, Uncle DJ, says sure. preach pre- preach Brock. Uncle DJ has always been a, a a very supportive liker of my tweets and retweets and, re- and is a good retweeter. He, yeah, for sure. For sure. So we appreciate the support. I will say this. Daryl Morey did not come here to sit on his hands. He didn't do that. They're paying him $10 million a year for a reason. And if you look, if, if you think like three steps ahead, just three steps ahead. And it's not, Maybe the I I do believe they wanted to acquire Harden. I also believe that there is internal congruence about like, hey, we don't want to give up Ben yet. We want to see if we can maybe make this thing work before we have to give up one of them. Three steps ahead, like a year or two down the road, maybe the piece that Daryl once Daryl has more data about, like he always talked about data in the introduction introductory press conference. He said the first move isn't always is always is not making the first move is sometimes the right move, right? And he all talked about talked about data and getting the right data together. Year and a half, two years down the line, what if the data says, okay, we have to trade Ben Simmons, six of the trade Ben Simmons, and Bradley Beal's available. 27, 28 years old. That is the trade that I think they have their eyes on down the road. That's the one where Embiid's like 28, 29, maybe still haven't gotten over the hump yet. Um, but like Ben has two as like two, three years left on his deal. Maybe he's developed a little further and you have enough evidence to say, okay, we really don't believe this can work. That's the deal that you do for, for, for Bradley Beal, I think. And instead of trying to like make these superstar trades and saying, do we have to give up? like a superstar to get a superstar back. Don't view it as that. I view it as what is the next best offer? What is the rival offer? 
And can we get that done without having to give up the best player that we have? Because there, chances are the team that you're trying to trade with is not going to turn down your offer, even if it doesn't include Ben Simmons, as long as it's better than the next best offer. So the Sixers can find a way to amass an offer that is better than Karis LeVert, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jarrett Allen, uh, Picks, whatever, Rodion's Karuks, whatever. Then you can win the Harden sweepstakes without giving up Ben Simmons. I don't think they have the assets for that, mm-hmm. but I think you can. I think that they're not going to turn down the best offer. I just don't think that's going to happen. I do think that we don't give enough, or that people in general don't give enough thought to the fact that, like Daryl Morey just said, I'm going to step down after depleting them of all assets and like, like leaving them with that with that mess. <laughs> I'm going to take a week off. Oh, it's like no, I'm going to go sign with the Sixers. And I'm going to try to change for James Harden. Like, no, I, I don't think Tillman Fertitta has any intention of trading with 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 of course. with, with uh, Daryl Morey. And and Austin, you raise a brilliant point there. <clears throat> I, so, I know I do. Thank you. <laughs> let me know because I don't want to be slandered in the comments here. I love James Harden, but look at Houston in the past decade. Okay. Daryl Morey has made 76, 77 trades, the second most in the NBA. It's like the- on average of five per year or something five like that. Five per year. Okay. They, they've gone after Dwight Howard. They've gone after Chris Paul. They've gone after Russell Westbrook. Houston is depleted. Outside of four or five players, their whole roster this year was either MLE or cap holds or two ways or, or, or vet minimums. There was nobody on this roster outside of four or five players. And it's been that way for season after season. Houston has been putting all of their eggs into one basket with James Harden. They've catered to James Harden for every single season. They've centered their offense around James Harden for every single season. Look at Houston now. James Harden wants to be gone, and they have nothing. They they literally are left with nothing if they trade James Harden. And and based on these packages that people are are, are putting together, these hypothetical packages, the return for James Harden isn't going to be worth what James Harden's worth. So, Now you've got reports that they want an MVP caliber player. It comes down to this. I think Brooklyn has has a decent package on the table. I I don't think that's really a a good return for James Harden in terms of of, of value for value. No, but it's better than Matisse, Steibel, and a couple firsts. It's definitely better than whatever plausible – Package that played out this Yeah, I am. I know they canceled all the ways with coach, so I brought it to my room. Uh, here's the thing. You can sell a team on Matisse Thibel's defensive upside. Austin, you and I were talking about this. You can definitely sell a team on his defensive upside, but the guy had a 10.8% usage in his rookie season. Of yeah. qualifying rookies, which was 30 games played, 15 minutes per, 30 rookies – that was dead last. Okay, so he has very limited offensive upside, at least based on his rookie season. So he's not going to be pushing the needle. Shake Milton is a guy who Philadelphia may not be uh, that eager to trade. I know Doc Rivers has spoke highly of Shake. Uh, that's something you've talked about. And even if they weren't eager or, or not eager to trade Shake Milton, I don't know if he's a needle mover either. Yeah. And if those two are needle movers, then Zaire Smith, who's played 143 minutes in two seasons and and basically has no footage is most definitely not a valuable asset. So you're looking at three remaining players. It's Tobias Harris, it's Al Horford, and I guess Josh Richardson. Sure, Josh Richardson is is of equal value to a a, a mid tier player, I guess. But I would have I would have done. I, I'm surprised that like Daryl doesn't say like I'll give you Josh in a first for uh, Roko. Like I was I was yeah. kind of surprised at that. Yeah, well, I, I was pretty surprised that Portland actually traded two firsts for Covington. That's that's good value for it's him. It's really good value. Um, my, my point being, Al Horford is not a centerpiece in a trade, let alone a trade for James Harden. So you're really left with two guys here. And it's Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris. So and I don't think – yeah, listen. I listen. don't think either really – I don't think either really beat this Brooklyn package like Austin. Would you trade Josh Richardson for Karis LeVert or Spencer Dinwiddie? I would probably trade straight up. Straight up. No, I would. I would. Oh. I. I would not. No. Wow. No. I would trade. The only thing. Wow. So I, my guess is this: 
I, I see. I, I think guess. I guess. I guess. Sixers right now. I guess Richardson probably gets you. I guess you probably need Richardson in like one or two firsts for Karis Levert. I think Karis Levert's like a top forty player in the NBA, top thirty, top forty player in the NBA. Okay, wait. So you would do it, right? If you were, if you were Philadelphia, but not, but not straight up. So you would need a first back from Brooklyn. No, I'm saying this from the Brooklyn's perspective. Okay, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Brooklyn, if I'm Brooklyn, I am not giving up. Karis okay, Levert or Dinwiddie straight you're up. My here. You're proving my point here. If you, Austin, or Daryl Morey, and Brooklyn calls you and says, we'll give you Dinwiddie or Levert for Josh Richardson. Straight up. You would do it, right? Oh, one million percent okay. I'd do you that. Do yeah. Sign me right up. You would do it for Matisse, right? I would say, what's the catch here? You would do, just shut up and answer. You would do it for <laughs> Matisse, right? Yes, I would do it. You would do it for Shake Milton, right? Yes. You do it for Zaire Smith, right? Yes. I can tell you all you know. You need to know. Brooklyn's package is better than Philadelphia's. You just you proved my point right there for me. That's yeah, all I, I can find. I to agree. Say. I agree. With now, all these knuckleheads on Twitter. <laughs> you're so tr- you are so triggered by this. <laughs> it's blowing my mind. I go on Twitter and I feel like a conspiracy theorist. Like yeah. Ryan Whitaker says, can Zach Levine to Philadelphia without trading Ben or Joel happen? Um, I suspect you could do that. And I think it would be obviously much easier than James Harden. I don't think they're looking at Zach Levine at the moment. I think they're looking at Joe Harris, um, Buddy Heald. I know, I, I, I do know that they've, done a lot of a lot of work for buddy healed um and they're looking at yeah buddy healed aaron gordon and joe harris i don't know how aaron gordon factors into their plans because he's a power forward but hey this is the sixers (laughs) i don't don't know what he i don't know mr gustav says luka Doncic is better than ben simmons that's what are we talking about of course he is like what (laughs) um i I would say this i think it's probably closer than people make it out to be because i think ben just toasts him defensively like comparing their defense to each other's Mm -hmm. ben toasts him but luca is obviously a much better scorer than 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 ben simmons is um let's let's move on to something that's more important um <laughs> finally um i will say this I, I will, I, last thing i will little, little caveat i will say i think they are prepared to not make a deal i think they're prepared to not force anything um and not make a deal if they don't think the value is there so mm-hmm. i mean i i thought that they would be pretty active what i think really really hurt them and crippled them in this trade market is the value that milwaukee got or that uh new orleans got for drew holiday I think that really shattered them because not only do I think they were in on Drew Holiday and like pretty deeply in on Drew Holiday, um, but I do think that the return that 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 he got set the market and it just made it like where everyone's like, well, the guys that we do want aren't worth the like whatever asking price teams are going to have is not worth the guys that we want no matter how bad we want them because I mean three firsts like they basically. It was basically the Anthony Davis trade, but for a guy that's like a tier two, tier three player. Mm-hmm. And um, too. Yeah, for sure. So let's go back to some <laughs> trades now that we've spent a half hour on you venting about James Harden. Um, Chris Paul gets traded to the Suns. They they get they get Chris Paul, Abdel Nader. I would love to be Abdel Nader just because like I get to go to the more fun situation as right. like a tag along. <laughs> um, uh, and then OKC gets. Ubre, Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen LeCue, and a 2022 first round pick. I like that deal for both sides because I would bet my top dollar that Ubre and Rubio are probably going to get flipped at the deadline for like picks. Like there's going to be a team that like is, is has is down a point guard due to injury or thinks they have a chance of making a playoff run. Like an Orlando Magic might see a value in trading for for Ricky Rubio. Um, take your pick of teams that might like lose a wing and and do an injury and, and and might see value in that. So I think that's good value. I really like the Phoenix Suns. 
I think they're going to be a super, super fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. When I when I do my my league pass rankings rankings column in the next couple of weeks, they're probably going to be a they're they're not they're with that. There's a very little doubt in my mind that they'll, they'll be a top five team unless something ridiculous happens. Clarify that for the viewers on the rankings, not in the NBA on the league pass to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They're not a top five team. No, 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 no. Yeah. Top five in the league pass rankings. That's right. a team that I'm gonna that's a team that I will if we're still like quarantined and on lockdown, I will be like Saturday night, have a couple beers, let's let's dial up league pass and see what the sun what the Suns are up to. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. The, the, um the Suns are gonna go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was I was taking ten no, no, you. All right, thank you. If you say so, um, the, the, Suns, the, the Suns are going to be a fun ball club. They they were in the bubble. They were undefeated. They play hard, and and they and they did it for their coach. They have a good culture. They're building. They're building there. But if you look at what the Suns are going to do, uh, they're really going to spread the floor and dissect defenses with a pick and roll. I really couldn't think of a better pairing than Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And you look at that backcourt and it ranks among some of the best in the league in, in terms of offense, like Devin Booker with a true legitimate point guard that will alleviate some of the ball handling responsibilities and take some offensive pressure off of Devin Booker is going to do wonders for his game. And, and he's already a really polished offensive player. Another guy who um thrilled for thrill for is, is Deandre Ayton. Um, I just talked about how good of a parent Chris Paul and Devin Booker is, but uh, Deandre Ayton really benefits from this trade too. So, uh, Real quick, I'm in a meeting today, right? And like someone else is talking, so I'm like looking over at my TV, and I like turn my, myself on mute, and I and I I look up and I see Kendra Perkins talking. Mm-hmm. The, the the one clip of Perkins I get is that uh, DeAndre Ayton's gonna be an All Star this year. Lock it in. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, back to my meeting now. <laughs> yeah, time to turn Kate on off. <laughs> the, the thing about DeAndre Ayton is that he's a really skilled finisher. Um, in his career, he's made about 70% of his shots within eight feet of the basket. And as a role man, he, he's also made about 60% of his shots. So uh, if Chris Paul was able to give Nerlens Noel a career year in terms of true shooting percentage, his offensive impact, his points produced, uh, I can only imagine what he's going to do for DeAndre Ayton. And for a center that lacks a little bit on the offensive end, uh, Chris Paul is really going to elevate his game. Mikel Bridges should should thrive with a player like Chris Paul and I think they're going to establish something big out in Phoenix. But the problem is uh, the West is still pretty tough. And, and there's still a couple of moves that, that are probably going to be made. Dallas is still pretty active. Denver has been pretty active. And yeah. uh, we, we alluded to it a little bit, but Robert Covington to Portland. I love underratedly, that. It's, it's underratedly a nasty move for Portland. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that the Suns are going to be just fascinating because – you have Cameron Johnson. They're probably. I think they're going to try to re-sign Dario Saric, even though mm-hmm. I. I mean, I didn't. I didn't have it on like record from anybody, but I mean, I. I suspected that maybe they would have to like re- renounce his his uh, his his cap hold um, to to like take on Paul, but I I really liked like they have a really fun roster like just run and gun, Lob City now for them, um, and it's and I think. They they've made book pretty happy, which is good to see. Um, Roko to Portland for Ariza, a 2021st and 2021 unprotected uh, protected first rounder uh, to Houston. So my guess is that we're probably going to have a pretty thick, dense buyout market this year um, around the NBA. And uh, kudos to the the Rockets rookie GM. Um, I forget his name. I apologize for forgetting his name. I do know that he is a rookie, um, but that's an, a pretty immense haul. And not to like get scared, not to like get intimidated, but to like, like say like I want this for him and get it. Like Rocco, two first for Ro- for Rocco is damn good. And I think Portland is just going to be all, another team in like my top top ten, top five, top ten league pass rankings. Like. Having like spacing it out for Dame and the, or they have shooters, it's going to be hard for defenses just to like sit on just like sit on Dame and like double him at half court. If you have like Roko and step out and like credibly shoot from twenty eight feet out, yeah. So you get Yusuf Nurkic healthier towards the end of the season and then in the bubble, and he looked phenomenal. 
Yeah. You, you got the best you could out of Hassan Whiteside. Uh, you still have Damon CJ, which, as far as I'm concerned, is, is one of the best pairings of point guards and shooting guards in the league. For sure. Uh, Gary Trent is a guy who really emerged in the bubble as a capable defender, but offensively a floor spacer, a guy that's that's willing to shoot and, and a fearless shooter. And you add Robert Covington to that equation, and I believe uh, Thiago tweeted it. You, you've got 600-plus threes combined between Dame, CJ, Trent, and now Covington. So it's going to be a catch-and-shoot team. It's going to be a three-ball shooting team, pick-and-roll, isolation. They're, they're going to do a ton of things offensively to unlock these guys, but I feel like Robert Covington is a younger, better Trevor Ariza. So he has an offensive game. He, he can shoot eight threes a game off the catch-and-shoot, whatever it may be, but also – uh, Robert Covington is a multi-positional defender that you can really stick on anybody. So uh, in the playoffs, the, the Portland Trailblazers are really hurting hurting because you couldn't stick Trevor Ariza out in LeBron James. Uh, he wasn't there for, for, for Portland. You couldn't stick Trevor Ariza out on a Luka Doncic or something like that. So I don't, I don't know that you can do that with Covington either. But. Well, I, I think I think he's a much more capable defender than Trevor Ariza especially at this age. And, I mean, Covington – was I think in the NBA tied for tenth, uh, tied for tenth in blocks, second in deflections, and third in total steals last year, and he held his opponents thirty-two percent from beyond the arc. So um, defensively, he's he's very underrated. He's a great help ball defender, and I think Port- Portland really got a good deal there. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's go over to Drew Holiday to Milwaukee. This was the one that really set that like mm-hmm. this is trade season. This one was wild. So they get uh, Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and three first-round picks. And then and then it's two first-round pick swaps added to the deal, all going to New Orleans. David Griffin, man. He did that it. is an absolute just shellacking of the Milwaukee Bucks. Like – and, I, and I'll tell you this: If Milwaukee loses second round again, can we just admit that they like that Bud is just not a good coach? Like, at what point do you just say like you're not a good coach? You, you're good. You're you're good when it doesn't really matter, but you can't win the big game. Like that team is. I I, I don't buy that that Drew Holiday gets you over the top in the East. I just don't. Like, I I like Drew a lot. I just think he's like a tier below that kind of caliber player. Uh, and especially if his shooting, like his shooting wasn't that great this past season, I think. Am I, am I right in saying that? I think, I think that's true. Um, so, you know, there there's that. But to basically entitle yourself to five picks in this draft, or in, in, in two players that you could probably flip at the deadline or keep to groom your young players – that's pretty significant. I would guess that George Hill will be available, and it wouldn't shock me if maybe the Sixers go that met, go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, damn, that's a. And I tell you this, I thought about it today. I my guess is the Bucks probably knew they were overpaying, but were okay with it because they knew that it would have a ripple effect throughout the NBA and throughout the East. Because if you're in trade talks with a Houston or whatever, whatever team you're talking to, they can point to the, the, the team trading away. The best player is going to say, look what they got for Drew holiday. I went that and more. And I mean, all you can really say is like, that was a, that was the, every, they got robbed. Like everyone knew that was a bad deal. Like you're not getting that. I'm sorry. And then you call their bluff and then maybe you end up being right. Maybe you end up being wrong. That trade was a win from Milwaukee because it kind of disabled the other teams around the conference, because I don't know that anyone wants to pay that price. Yeah, there I agree with you. Um, it, it seems like the general feeling is that Milwaukee had to do this to keep Giannis happy and and with a contract on the horizon. Uh, that's that's the most important priority. You've got arguably one of the greatest players in franchise history, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, arguably. Arguably. <laughs> Um, with, with, with some rumors that he's maybe interested in playing for Miami or maybe going out on the West Coast. So uh, you want to do everything you can to prevent that. And how do you do that? You make him happy. You, you give him guys that he wants to play with. And uh, it, it really doesn't 
get better than Drew Holiday. So I kind of understand why Milwaukee did this, right? You're not really going to draft anybody in the near future that's going to give you anything more than Drew Holiday could. Uh, just last year, in looking at some of the players that Drew guarded, uh, Damian Lillard shot three of 14 against them with four turnovers. Paul George went one of 11 with three turnovers. AD on Drew Holiday went three of 10 with three turnovers. Jamal Murray, one of seven with three turnovers. James Harden, two of six with seven turnovers. So uh, you get a defensive upgrade, and, and that's pretty difficult because Eric Bledsoe is an all-NBA defender, two-time, I believe. So uh, not only do you get a defensive upgrade, a, a perimeter guard that can really stick with anybody, uh, but also offensively, Drew plays the game at his own pace. Uh, he, he's really a guy when if everything else collapses offensively, he can go to, go get a bucket. He, he plays at a very controlled pace, and I think he's definitely an offensive upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. So uh, in making that trade, Milwaukee has some some really good defense with Giannis and, and Drew. Uh, Brooke Lopez can really space the floor and play center well too, and they get another good addition. The, the, the rich get richer. They got Bogdan. So uh, I don't really know how they pulled that trade off, the signing trade with that. Uh, was a little crazier than the Drew Holiday trade to me because, I mean, really, they they only really gave up Dante DiVincenzo in that deal. But um, Milwaukee just got really, really good. As if they weren't the best team in the NBA. Yeah. Let me me ask you this. Would you rather Giannis go – I guess it's probably an easy question to answer because, like, uh, we're in the East. We we being, like, we're Eastern Conference resident. Mm -hmm. We're Eastern – Eastern part of the country residents, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but would you rather Giannis go to the Warriors or the Heat? I think it's easy. It's like a layup from like the half-court line. For for the sake of basketball viewing pleasure, I'd rather him go play for the Warriors. Um, Same. Because no Giannis, question about it. Giannis, Clay, and Steph would be – Literally an unguardable trio. Be gorgeous. It would be awesome. I'd love it. Um, um, and, and Miami is like probably I, the last team I'd ever want to see Giannis play for. I would hate it. It would be horrible. It would just be horrible. Um, uh, John Crichton says, Austin, what's up, brother? What's up, John? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, let's go over to Bojan Badamadanovic uh, to Milwaukee for Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, and Ursan Yasova. Credit Kevin O'Connor for getting on this because this kind of came out of nowhere. And we were all like skeptical because we were all like, well, what assets do they have left? This was a really weird trade because I don't see the point of it for Sacramento. Unless they see their division and they're like, we got no chance anyway. Like, why not just blow it up? I mean, the the or I, I'm thinking like maybe at, like Vladi was all on the bot the the the, the Boyan train or the Bogdan trade. And then as soon as they got the new GM, they were like changing course and going back to healed. Um, I can't imagine this is good for the Sixers' chances of getting uh, healed. But, um, but just like a fascinating scenario because they clearly didn't give up much for him. I mean, Dante's a good player, Nova guy, whatever. Um, but I mean, Bogdanovich is a much better player than all three of those guys. And, and he's more valuable to the Milwaukee Bucks team than Dante DiVincenzo would be. So, uh, like I said, the rich just get richer. And from Sacramento's standpoint, uh, there's only two reasons why you make this trade. Either uh, you're not confident you can sign Bogdan, and and that's why you make the trade, because at least you get some sort of a package back, uh, or you're going in the direction, like you just said, uh, with Buddy Heald. But there's still rumors circulating that the Sacramento Kings are shopping Buddy Heald. I know – Denver's the team that's interested. Dallas has expressed interest in Philadelphia too. So if Sacramento ultimately ends up trading Buddy Heald, uh, I think the only reason they made this trade was to get some sort of a package back for Bogdan. The thing that confuses me is that this isn't much of a package, right? Ersan seems like a buyout candidate. Uh, DJ Wilson really isn't going to play meaningful minutes. And uh, what is Dante DiVincenzo's ceiling in, in compared to Bogdan? So, um, um, I mean, I I – I don't think I, I I would be very surprised if you get any kind of first round capital back for any of those at like the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be shocked. Um, but I mean, unless that's their plan, I, I just don't see like a positive asset coming out of that. Unless you really think you can develop something out of DJ Wilson and Dante Divincenzo. I mean, my guess is you're probably going to buy out or something over there. Right. Um, but 
just like a fascinatingly weird trade in that it's a clear L for the Kings, and they were trying to make the playoffs. <laughs> the only thing they know how to do is take L's. Sacramento <laughs> is going to have to lock themselves into a generational talent because with this front office, they're, they're not going to do that on purpose. I mean, I don't want to speculate about anything or like develop rumors about anything. Another like thing I'm thinking is maybe – like they want to max out the Aaron Fox, I assume. Mm-hmm. Maybe Fox and him didn't get along. Could be. Uh, I'm, I can. I can maybe understand that. Maybe they're also trying to uh, acquire a player via trade, or, or maybe sign someone else. But like a center from Philadelphia that wears number forty-two. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great morale, great chemistry <laughs> and morale builder. Yeah, for sure. Um, Torrey Thompson eight seventy says if Brooklyn can get can get him, I guess Harden uh, without giving up KD or Kyrie, then I'm not giving up Ben Simmons for him, even if it means letting him go to the Nets potentially. I think mm-hmm. you're looking at it the wrong way. Is what I think. I think the way you view it as it's not about like what you will or won't give up. It's about what's the next best offer and how do we match or beat that offer, whether that includes Ben Simmons or not. And if if you think, if you can put forth an offer that has assets that Houston values more than Karis Levert, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Picks, Rudyans, Cruz, whatever, then yeah, I think you can do that. But if, 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 if Houston doesn't value those assets, which to be honest, I I just don't see the value in a trade for Thibault and and you know whatever. I, I don't think they want to trade Milton. I think Doc has has visions for Milton, and I, and I think they, they that he's made that clear to Daryl Morey and Elton Brand. Um, but I, I I just don't think you have to view it as like giving up my best player for a, a great player. It's how do I beat the next best offer? That's the way to look at it. Okay. I think another thing is. This is increasingly becoming a player's league. If a player wants out, they're usually successful. I kind of equated this to the Anthony Davis situation where he requests a trade, he denies a contract extension, and then in five months he's traded. Um, But unfortunately for James Harden, I don't think he has that much leverage. I mean, other than him publicly expressing that he doesn't want to play for the team, which uh, both ruins Houston's brand and, and, and the locker room, He's under contract for two more seasons. It's not like the AD situation where he's due for a contract extension and, and he's a player option in a year. Uh, James Harden is still under contract for two seasons. So right. Houston could very well hold him hostage against his will, which, like I said, it, it kind of it ruins the brand and, and the morale in the locker room. But another thing that I'm also trying to continue to tell myself is that we kind of live in this hyper reality on Twitter. We live in this like fake reality, right? Where we trust all of the sources we see. It's the, it's a constant news cycle. I, I, I listen, it's a constant news cycle of, of unfiltered information. So it's, it's really up to the audience to decide who they want to trust and who they don't. So all of this stuff, it doesn't seem like fake news. It doesn't seem like rumors. But at the same time, you really don't know what's going on internally. You don't know what James Harden is saying. So I'm, I'm trying to stay cautiously optimistic that maybe Philadelphia can trade for him. But at the same time, I'm not even telling myself James Harden gets traded yet. I was talking to somebody who is, a, is in some way, shape, or form a friend of Kevin Durant's. And I asked him, I was like, like, like what, do you, what do you hear? What do you think? And the way that he said it was that Houston's holding him hostage. That's essentially what what he said. Like, mm-hmm. like, like he's made it known he wants out. Um, Houston's prepared to like say like, hey, we don't care what you want. Like, we'll hold you as long as we want. We want to hold you until we get the right package for you. Um, so we'll say we'll see how long that lasts. Um, I, I mean, who knows? It could it could be resolved tomorrow. I mean, it had that guy. Uh, I think his name is Anthony Puccio uh, from like. One of the Nets beat writers that said today that it's a verbal agreement. Who knows? Um, but I just think it's it's crazy what's going on there right now. Um, let's see. You knew, you knew this was going to happen, though. Once Daryl Morey came here, you knew you knew these rumors were going to be crazy. Yeah, and I even tweeted like, 
once you get Daryl Morey, you're going to be involved with every star trade. They're going to be rumored because that's what Daryl Morey does. He's a big game hunter. Um, and you know that that's just that. Brock, any parting shots, any plugs you want to get in before we depart for the day, for the week? Yeah, Maybe so I, I want to speak directly to the 76ers front office. <laughs> Go for it. Detroit has one draft pick in the 2020 NBA draft. It's the seventh pick. They only have one draft pick. They have some of the most available cap in the NBA right now. They won 20 games last season. They're clearly rebuilding, and there's nothing on their roster. So if you're Philadelphia's front office and you're listening to me right now, I need you to look me in the eyes and understand this. Derek Rose is on Detroit. Since 2016 and even before then, he's been one of the best pick-and-roll players in the league. He's been top 10 in field goal percentage in the pick-and-roll in four consecutive seasons, and he's also had the bottom 10 lowest turnover percentage in the pick-and-roll in the past four consecutive seasons. He's in Detroit, okay? It's not going to take that much to get Derrick Rose, in my opinion. So call Detroit, get Derrick Rose, get Luke Kennard, get Tony Snell, get whoever the hell you want. From I don't, you don't want Tony Snell. You do not want Tony Snell. So you call Detroit, you get Tony Snell, you get Luke Kennard, you get Derrick Rose, and it's not going to cost you that much. Give him maybe Al Horford. Give him a couple of seconds. Give him Korkmaz. Whoever needs to get off of this roster to get Derrick Rose, please. Please go save my boy out in Detroit. <laughs> what <laughs> fucking bizarre trade idea that is. Charlotte makes a stupid decision and trades for Russell Westbrook because they want to sell more uniforms and generate a little more buzz. I need you to call Charlotte, and I need you to trade for Taylor here. He's a horrible <laughs> He can move well off the ball. He had the fourth best catch-and-shoot three-point percentage of, like, I believe 140-plus players to take a certain amount of attempts. So Terry Rozier can hoop, and last year was his first year as a starter. He did really well in that role. So call Charlotte. Tell him, listen, you got a, lo- a young locker room. You got Devontae Graham. You got Malik Monk. You got Bridges. You got a couple of good guards there. What do you What do you need Terry Rozier for $18 million for the next two seasons? So call Charlotte. Go get Terry Rozier. Call Detroit. Go save my boy Derrick Rose. The East is only going to keep getting better, and Philadelphia has to too. So I don't want to hear this nonsense about, yeah, we don't need to trade Al Horford yet. Maybe let's showcase him a little more, see if we can salvage him and then increase his trade. It's not going to happen, okay? I, I don't care what the coaching staff is. Al Horford is not going to increase his trade value. So trade him now while you can deceive teams that he's still the p- same player that, that maybe he was in Boston or Atlanta. I and disagree with that. Go save Derrick Rose, please. Go, go save Derrick Rose. Go get my boy out of Detroit. <laughs> I disagree. I think a lot could happen to up Horford's value. I think yeah. I think having two and I think two and a half years at the trade deadline left on his contract is a lot different than having three. And I think if someone loses a center and they need a center. Well, I, I would agree, but Kevin Love and the Cavaliers have been in this purgatory. Here we go. By the way, forever. Vin had that trade scenario, and that was like his only one where I was like, that's actually a good trade. I like that trade. What's that? The 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 Horford for Love trade. I mean, it's not a bad idea. It's it's not a great contract, but at least Kevin Love is probably a little more serviceable on the offense than it makes you. It makes you a better team, I think. Yeah, I think it does too. It's it's funny to see uh, Vin Vin blowing up on Twitter. He's got a little bit of stardom in, in these past forty eight hours. It's it's, it's just shocking how like. People will forget <laughs> certain uh, certain certain it's cer- certain reports. People will forget, and then it's like, oh, and a new one came out. I'm just gonna latch onto this because I like this one. It's it's funny because like I'll have friends that send me Vin's tweets as like legitimate NBA sources, and I'm like, you gotta. I, my my you gotta buddy from my buddy out. my buddy from Nova text text on our group chat like 3 a.m. And, he, and he's like, who the fuck is this guy, Vin? And I'm like, I'm like, he made it to Dallas. What? <laughs> It's it's funny, man. It really is. Yeah. All right, Brock. I am Austin Krell, NBA Krell on Twitter. He is who? He is Landis Brock. <laughs> can find him on Twitter there. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Feed to Win Beat, everybody. Stay safe. Have a good night. And remember, wear a mask, please, so we can go out. Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgun time at parties? 
check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole under a second. There's also a tab puller, vent plunger, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. on Instagram and Cobra is spelled with a K. For 10% discount on all products, enter the code TRUSTACOBRA10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today.